I'm Chad Rutherland. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket, the real one. Today, we're going to be talking about Anodyne, a game that was <laughs> developed and published by Analgesic Productions, released in 2013 on Windows, Mac OS, Linux, iOS, and Android, and in 2018 on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch. But first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, so Anodyne is a is an action adventure game, uh, and one that obviously takes its cues from the two D top down Legend of Zelda games. Right, I think kind of specifically uh, Link's Awakening is what mm. the uh, developers have said. Yeah, and th- and that's a different. That's a wholly separate topic of discussion because the developers of this game are two people mm-hmm. but then there was a remaster produced and put out presumably in 2018 yeah 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 and that is and that had a whole other team and then now in the year of our lord 2023 there's in fact even an anodyne 2 and yep. I, I don't know when that one came out uh i, I don't know if that ago. game is that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if that one was developed by the original developers or the remaster team <laughs> or a combination of the, of them. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think it's the original team, but it yeah, might be more people. So who knows? I don't. Yeah, it's a complete mystery. <laughs> yeah, Anodyne 2, I don't know if you've seen what it looks like at all. But it it's looks like, very different. Than yeah, it's like a 3D game, like which has like a PS1 kind of art style. Right, which did not go well when Hyperlight Drifters developer tried <laughs> to do that. So I'm not sure how well that'll pan out, but I don't know. Let us know. Should we cover Anodyne 2? Mm-hmm. Drop it in the comments. Engagement. Uh, so, yeah, a- Anodyne is is like this Zelda-like. And it was it was weird for me for a couple of reasons because one, this game has been out for a million years, mm-hmm, 10 for years, nine years. Yeah. yeah. 10 years. Uh, and I just like, I've known about it at various times, mm-hmm. never played it, uh, but had built up sort of an idea of what the game was going to be in my head prior to playing it. And that really, or it probably is, but it is more, deep in its own thing than i expected it to be uh i was expecting something more akin to like a night in the woods style uh of storytelling uh Mm -hmm. in the game and i just knew that it was a zelda game it was an indie game and that it was known for being like kind of a uh like a uh I don't know, like a personal sort of story. Mm-hmm. And after playing the game, I did not realize that it was like a little freaky boy <laughs> with lots of weird shit going on in it. I was I was almost pleasantly surprised because of how wild some of this game is. Yeah, yeah. I had a kind of similar, kind of different uh, experience with it. Like, I heard about it forever ago uh, just because I like Zelda a lot. And there was like a period of time, like with, before Breath of the Wild came out, where I just had like an itch to play Zelda and looked up all the Zelda style games that I could. And I came across this one and kind of just expected it to be more like, exactly like Zelda. Uh. Um, you know, like a, just like a very like true to Zelda indie game. And, right. uh, 
Yeah, and then, like, I just kind of just never played it, and then a couple years ago, I think, like, somebody did a review of it, and I like, watched the first, like, minute or two, and they were like, oh, it's like this kind of mysterious, atmospheric kind of game, and I'm like, oh, that seems, like, even more interesting to me than it already was now, so, like, maybe yeah, I'll if, put if, that on the, the podcast list. If listeners of the podcast know anything about you, it's that you love a mysterious game. <laughs> yes. Not necessarily a game about a mystery, but a game that has an air of mystery yes. around it. Yes, 1,000%. And yeah, I think, I mean, I went into this, I would say, mostly blind. Mm-hmm. And so the air of mystery for me was very real. It was exactly what it was. Yeah, like, especially like the way it starts out. Like, you you go through this little tutorial zone... And then you're dropped in, like, this underpass, like, in this, like, kind of more, like, quote, realistic environment than in not, like, a fantasy one, like you might be expecting. Uh, Which, is it a weird tone? Like, we we just finished doing, like, our Halloween games uh, for October, and then when I got booted this one up, I'm like, oh, is this going to be, like, spookier than I expected, you know? (laughs) Because it kind of starts off, like, a little bit of an eerie tone. Um, and then after you do like the first dungeon, you get dropped into the lake area, which is more like what I was expecting. So like, yeah, yeah I think the game does do a good job of like being unexpected and surreal. Yeah. Like, uh, obviously gameplay wise, the game takes a lot from Link's Awakening. Um, I guess, I guess not really a lot, but like you can see the inspiration. Like, yeah. Like the, from. the aspect ratio mm-hmm. is closer to like a Game Boy screen. Yeah. But then the other thing, though, is is that tonally and, like, thematically, this feels way more related to Earthbound mm. than it does to a Zelda game. Uh, and, and that took me off guard as well. Yeah, yeah, it's got, like, silly dialogue. Uh, like, there's that bear that tells you how many times he's had sex uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah, like, uh, it, it does. It kind of, like, juggles different tones and, like, yeah, has surreal elements. Uh there's the one area, I think it's the one with, like, the cube kings <laughs> that can <laughs> yeah, rest, can rest on the ledge without falling off. Um, uh, that has the background that looks a little bit like the Gygus kind of, if like an earthbound background. So, yeah, it's definitely yeah. in there. Um, yeah, which well, also leads into the apartment building dungeon. Yeah. Which is like is very uh, an earthbound thing. You're fighting like rats and and cockroaches and stuff. Yeah, and it's got like the more like modern like towns and like you fight with a broom and stuff. Uh, yeah, like when I was playing it, I couldn't help but wonder if like this was at all like an influence on uh on Undertale, because there were like a few points where I was like, this feels like a little reminiscent, like a little uh, I could see a little bit of inspiration coming from this. And I could also see Toby Fox playing this game, mm-hmm. so it, that does seem likely. But still, like obviously shared kin, oh, being yeah. Earthbound there, like that is uh, a game that was obviously played by both developers and taken from in different ways. Uh, yeah, and and to me, like I feel like every element, like this game has a lot going on in it, and I feel like it's spread very thin. I feel like there's little bits of. A, a lot of things it's a hodgepodge of of tone and of substance because there is like a horror part of the game mm-hmm. that we could talk about later and the main one of the main characters in the game shows up and is like i'm just peddling my wares wares is the name of my bicycle and <laughs> right they just take that <laughs> joke to the last for to the very last minute of the game mm-hmm. uh 
and so there's like this comedy element to it and then there's the horror there's the realism there's also the uh the like natural world or the fantasy parts and all of that is sort of like justified because the game takes place within a dream right uh also uh, very but, Link's awakening <laughs> very true yeah yeah and then there's the the big sky fish uh, <laughs> yeah then there's the wind fish that shows up <laughs> the wind fish. I really should have thought when that happened. I should have thought Winks Winks Awakening. That was the working title for the game. (laughs) It's the subtitle for Anodyne Two. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of like my initial like thesis on it is like this game has a lot of parts to Mm -hmm. it. Uh, and it is it does make the game very interesting. Yeah. So I will give it that for sure. Yeah, I think this game started out as a student project by the two developers. Um, and it does kind of have that energy of like, we got to put all our ideas in here because we don't know if we'll ever, you know, get a chance to make another thing. Uh, that it has, is true. It has that energy a little bit. It has. It does not, however, have group project vibes. <laughs> No. Which is what the bouncer had. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more cohesive than that. Just two people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and and it does it does come off. Like, it does show. And we played the remaster, uh, which has been polished and changed a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't speak specifically to how the original game plays. But, like, you could definitely tell that it was, like, put together in such a way as to make it easy to... Uh, create more content for it and build out a game from a a simple set of mechanics. You don't get like, unlike in Zelda, you don't get a bunch of items. Mm -hmm. You mostly only have two abilities, like attack and jump. Right. Uh, For the majority of the game, you get swap at the end. Uh, And to me, I thought that was very, it's very simplistic, but it makes going through the game allowing you to focus more on sort of the tone of what's going on and what are actually very well, in my opinion, very well designed dungeons. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it, with those as the focus of the gameplay, like I think it does a really good job of making something that's actually fun to do. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more about like that exploration. It's got like a little bit of like Metroidvania DNA. Um, not that you have to come back with new abilities as much, but yeah, there are parts where you're like, you can jump over a thing that you couldn't before, um, or like jump off a ladder where you didn't realize you could, or, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it's kind of like a little bit more of like an easy to get into like, uh, discovery kind of thing that the game's kind of built around. Yeah. I feel like you get a lot of. A lot of times you'll hear people talk about like, oh, this game rewards exploration or it has a focus on exploration. And I think that it's become sort of like almost a, not a subgenre, like a super genre mm. uh, where a lot of games now want to build out these big worlds and have things for the player to explore. And then we're getting more and more refined in how we fill those worlds out and make them actually worthwhile to explore. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see in 2013, a game like this, that I will say does reward exploration and has exploration as a part of it, but do it in a minimalist way. Like you don't have to spend a huge amount of time just wandering around. 
but it is still rewarding and fun to just go to places that you haven't been to yet. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that it almost kind of does like an old school, like 3D platformer style incentivizing of exploration, but with the cards. Uh, yeah, you I... could compare them to like Power Stars or Moons or Jiggies or whatever. Yeah, I would I would compare them to music notes in mm. that at the end of the game it goes, <laughs> "Hey, did you get enough of these? If not, leave and go do that." Yeah. Which I did not have enough. <laughs> I had to go back. No, yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, I, and like to me, like given if you if if you allow me to give the game its normal like this is an indie game when it came out made by short uh, by a smaller team. I'm gonna be applying these like uh, exceptions to it. Like I'm not holding it to the same standard or quality that I would a game that was made on a much bigger budget or whatever. Mm-hmm. In that lens, I feel like the game's one major stumbling block was that, essentially. Yeah. Forcing you to go back and co- and pick up collectibles. Like, I was off by, like, 11, which mm. I I'm feel su- like is kind yeah. of a lot. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, I thought you would have had more than me, naturally. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I had 29, so I, had, I needed seven more, I think. Yeah. So I had to go back and just sort of, like... Go to the Nexus, which is mm-hmm. called the Nexus. I'm not making a Dark Souls reference. Uh, <laughs> and and then find where there isn't a glowy stone and go right. to that one and then just amble around and look for something. Uh, yeah, I just like, went straight to the wiki. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I just like looked up, I pulled up my set of cards, like which one am I missing? Go to it on the wiki and like, where is this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck around, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I did find a few. Like, there's like the 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 girl who's peddling her wares yeah. uh, gives you hints. So I did grab a couple myself, but then as went soon the as there was a little bit of like a- aimless wandering, I went to the wiki. <laughs> I went to the wiki when I realized that I was going to have to go to Maze Zone. Uh, and I was like, well, like maybe a bit area. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I could probably get cards somewhere else other than <laughs> maze zone. Uh, uh, cause yeah, that zone could suck my whole ass. I hated <laughs> it so much. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's not, that's well, that is here and also there. And maybe we should just talk about it more <laughs> when we get toward the end of the game. Uh, did this game i assume the answer to this is yes but mm-hmm. i i could be wrong hypothetically did this game when it boot when you booted it up and you get your broom and you're like ready to go on a, a swashbuckling adventure mm-hmm. uh did it grab you right away like and make you want to keep playing it um I I think so. Uh, I don't know if it was after I got the broom and started the swashbuckling <laughs> adventure, um, but I I think right off the bat, like it, you wake up in like the abstract zone, go through the little tutorial, wake you know you're in the underpass and like there's like a nexus with the weird sage. Like I think tonally and atmospherically, it grabbed me right away, um, mm. and the the mechanical side, like the Zelda stuff, was what I was expecting. So like. That wasn't a deterrent. Right. Well, I don't mean, like, did the... Because, like, when you start the game, everyone's going to be a little bit trepidatious. Right. Any game at all. 
And I think that when I got off and started to actually experience like what the game is, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, all right, hell yeah. Like, I was so into <laughs> it from the beginning. And I yeah. think that this, I attribute it mostly to, yeah, that like, it's the tone, it's the way that they introduce everything. Like, I loved that it dumped you out onto a onto a road mm-hmm. because I didn't know what the game was going to be like. I knew that your character was like a guy with glasses on, which is <laughs> right. very fantasy. So I was like into it uh, right away. Uh, and I was a little surprised by it because it's an older game mimicking an even older game. <laughs> right. Uh, and I was, afraid, I was, I'm always very hesitant with this because it feels like, I don't know. I've been burned before. Yeah. No, yeah, I feel like it put a good foot forward. Like, it, it got right into it. It's not like you have to do the opening part, and then once you get to, like, the past the first dungeon, like, then it gets good. Like, it, right. I think it starts off right away. Uh, so, yeah, it, it grabbed me, too. Yeah, I was very impressed by it. I think it's just the only reason I wanted to call it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what do you think about the platforming and the jumping uh, being integrated into, like, the puzzles and dungeons? Uh, we haven't talked about what categories we're doing for the No Clip Awards this year, <laughs> but this might be a contender for uh, the best use of platforming in a non-platforming mm. game for yeah. me. And mostly because I felt like half the time that I made a jump, I felt like I wasn't supposed to be able to make the jump because you 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 have a lot of weird momentum that the game confusingly does like simulate so i was able to like you know like jumping diagonally across things or like moving in air to go around obstacles where Mm -hmm. maybe that was the intended way and maybe it wasn't i i had fun with it i would say i thought it was good yeah yeah it it's like uh, it where you can if you time the jump correctly or Uh i guess maybe wrong uh, you can actually jump two squares instead of just mm-hmm. one. Like you're only supposed to be able to jump one. Uh, it seems like one of those things that like was probably like a programming error, or it didn't end up working out the way it was like initially intended, and then they decided to to make it a feature, not a bug. Because uh-huh. uh, like there's definitely design in there where you're supposed to jump around things and jump diagonally and stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, it does. It feels like kind of playful in that way. Where, like, you can kind of fuck with it uh, and, like, mess around with it a little bit, which makes it, 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 it does make it more fun, I think. Yeah, it, it gave me, it sort of gave me flashbacks to uh, Wander Song mm. because of its, like, it felt like it would introduce mechanics that were just there just as an experiment. Like, just how does this work? Which right. does give it sort of that, like, fun, playful, like, vibe, which you don't get out of mechanics very often yeah and almost exclusively in these like very low budget indie games mm-hmm. uh but yeah i know i i used it many times in the uh in the maze zone to try and like skip over parts that i wasn't <laughs> supposed to be able to because they were just like two wide gaps right. and that's what makes me think that it is kind of intentional or at least by the time that that was designed it was mm-hmm yeah, like, um, I, the hotel dungeon comes to mind. Like, I feel like there was a whole lot of ha- you where you had spots where you had to, like, jump across gaps and stuff. Uh, so, yeah. I, I mean, it feels intentional to me. Yeah, and then in the fucking, 
I want to say it's in the circus dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a room. There are many rooms that have those like smoke blowing machines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the only way I could find to get across one of the rooms was to just wildly leap diagonally like across a huge chasm. Yeah, is it the one that just doesn't have any dust? Yes. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> it's so weird. Like it, it felt like I had soft luck myself. Like when I got in there, I was like, "How the fuck am I supposed to get back?" <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, you just kind of, like, have to brute force it. Like, you can either run through it while holding against the dust. Or you can warp to the entrance. <laughs> or you can warp to the entrance. I'm I'm not a quitter, though. I pushed <laughs> of course, through. Of course. I wanted to see if I could make a big jump, and I it turns out <laughs> I can after many, many attempts. Uh, that's another thing I, I do want to say. Uh, when you fall off of a ledge, you mm-hmm. don't take damage. This is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad they implemented it in this way and didn't make me restart <laughs> the game a hundred thousand times. Yeah, no, definitely the right call. Um, but I guess since I just mentioned it, uh, you, you do fight with a broom and there is this like supplementary mechanic where there are like these dust balls that you can take and you can use them to like block fire and walk on water (laughs) and a couple of other things, Uh, which I thought was like an interesting mechanic. Um, I I kept thinking I was going to get the ability to generate one eventually because it seemed like it's like a pretty central mechanic, but it never, never ends up happening. But like, I don't know. It feels like it feels really unique to me. Like I couldn't think of anything to like compare it to. And like at first, like, um early on in the game i kept like kind of like mentally tuning them out and then i would mm. come back big oh yeah there was like dust right here like at the lake i was like oh yeah i could go across the lake because there's dust right there and i right. just like wasn't thinking about it yeah it's it, it was interesting because like i kept thinking that it was going to introduce ability other abilities things mm-hmm. like rock smash hmo4 <laughs> whatever yeah uh uh, but no, it's it is all around the dust, and it doesn't it doesn't tell you about it at all. You have to like figure it out yourself, uh, which is putting more faith in. It was putting more faith in me than I deserve, because <laughs> uh, it took me a very long time to realize that you could surf with it. Yeah, uh, but it was def- it's putting a lot more faith in players than you see very often, uh, which I do kind of appreciate. But then, like, also, I don't know. I, there's probably a way to tutorialize <laughs> this that would have been good. Yeah, Other I, than that, though, I think it's amazing. Yeah, I don't think you have to do it to, like, the like the blue forest area with all the rabbits, I think. Uh-huh. Like, so I think it just tutorial tutorializes it by, like, making an area that's impassable if you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, I mean, it's, like, a decent way. I mean, like, I, I imagine most people would figure it out. Uh, but it probably could have done it earlier. Probably yeah, would that, be that's, the thing, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like it's, it, yeah, maybe not necessary, but helpful to have in some of the earlier dungeons. Like, knowing that you can block off the uh, uh, the the shooter things yeah, that yeah, just yeah, blast yeah. lasers at you. <laughs> uh, there are definitely some puzzles that I did by not the correct way of doing it. <laughs> Where I just ran straight into stuff. Yeah, like wildly jumping around. 
Yeah. Well, that was before I even had Jump, right? That's true, like, that's true. So I remember there was a dungeon where, like, there was one of those things that was shooting down a hallway, and I was like, the only way I know to get through that is to just tank the damage and run straight <laughs> through it. Uh, and so I would, like, pop out on the other side with, like, two health and be like, oh, Jesus, help me. And uh, I did make it eventually. It wasn't until, I think, later in the same dungeon that I realized that you could grab the dust and put it in front of stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember when I put the pieces together, but uh, I think I maybe had a little bit of an easier time than that. <laughs> but I definitely had my, my share, like uh, my fair share of moments where I just like brute forced things. Uh, Cause like, especially like um, if, I don't know if we want to talk about it already, but like boss fights, I, sure. I found that, like, most boss fights, you could just, like, n- just tank damage and just spam the attack <laughs> and make it through the boss fight, like, without much trouble. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, uh, the ex- almost the exact same experience with every single boss, which is that I would go into the boss, die once, mm-hmm. and then go, t- go through it the second time and beat it almost without taking damage most of the time. Yeah. Or that. I would just run in and be like, oh! <laughs> just keep smacking them yep. and eventually they go down the wall i think is the one that i uh is is one that i killed on my first try yeah just because it was all it was was just you know hitting a guy yeah so it definitely has that like you can just like damage boost or whatever you want to call that like just tank damage and just like run through stuff uh pretty easily in a lot of cases but uh, Which is really it like the game itself has it you get so much health. Mm-hmm. Like so much health that it, it almost encourages it a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the uh the like the heart piece uh mechanic in this where it's like a little fairy flies in and then it just like becomes part of your health bar. Right. Like that it's like a like a little character in the world that just flies up to the UI and becomes part of your health. That's just like a fun, a fun touch. I think. Yeah. I was shocked at like how quickly you get through them though. I think is, is my takeaway is I, I just, I don't know. Like at the end of the game, I had like the full two rows of health mm-hmm. and it's like, I've, it's <laughs> cause the game itself is also short. It's like comparing it to a heart piece in Zelda. It doesn't have the grandeur. Because right, you, you just kind of bust them out, but uh, yeah, like the dungeons yeah, themselves are pretty short. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you can play through like three of them in a sitting, you know, and your health will go up quite a bit. And there's like bonus ones, like in the in the overworld and stuff, right? Which is yeah, that's <laughs> which a few of those are are kind of interesting to get. I think. I mean, I don't. I don't want to talk about this zone. I guess we can. Sure. Like, yeah. Black and white town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, th- that one has so much, like, th- that one was fun to get because in order to get into the house that you need to go through to get a card or whatever to open the gate, uh, you have to, like, ki- or at least I did, I don't know if you have to, uh-huh. kill every member of the town, town like, mm-hmm. the whole citizenry, uh, which was pretty fucked. Yeah. In my opinion. Uh, yeah, and, that... like, then you get rewarded at the end of it. It just feels... I don't know. It, it was a good way of putting me off my guard. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I was one of the cards I didn't have, and because like uh, when I first went to the area, like I think this is what's supposed to happen: is you walk up to a person to try to talk to them and you stab them. <laughs> and yep. after that, I was like, oh, <laughs> well, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And like, just didn't stab anybody else except for maybe like someone by accident. But like, oh, uh... Andy, you gotta stab them. <laughs> but then when I came back, yeah, like to get that card, I was like, oh, I guess I had to kill everybody. Uh, yeah, for the guy that, to move. And then I did I exactly the same thing. And then when he yeah. talks to you, I was like, okay, you forced my hand. <laughs> yeah, like, one thing I didn't know, I, I learned this from a review that I watched, is after you kill them, if you walk up to the corpses, you can talk to them. Yeah. I, I just did not find that out myself. Yeah. I, I don't know why I did it, but I definitely did do that they i think there's only a certain number of like different things that they can say right and mostly they want to make you feel bad for murdering them (laughs) of course Uh, it is totally not okay to just murder them yeah as it turns out yeah oh but you do get a prize for it so (laughs) who's really in the wrong here (laughs) (laughs) who's the real animals who's the real animal me or all these dead (laughs) children uh (laughs) Uh, so one thing I always wanted to bring up, like while we're talking about specific areas, is uh, the I don't know if it's called like the Red Sea or like uh, you have it from the beach area, um, mm. because like, yeah, it starts off with this like eerie kind of area with the underpass and the whatever else. And then you go to like the more forested area, which is kind of more like what I was expecting the game to be like. And then you go to the beach and it's got like the nice music. And I'm like really digging the vibe of the game at this point uh, while yeah. I'm playing it. You know, I'm like, oh, cool beach area. Nice. So you oh, go to the beach. Yeah, you go to the fisherman who's standing like who's at the beach, like on the dock. And you go to talk to him and you just push him with the broom twice and he falls <laughs> off and you kill him. And then there's like a little whirlpool that you jump down to this like bottom of this red ocean weird zone with these big like creepy creatures walking around i was like oh okay <laughs> like i felt like the creatures were very dr seuss yeah like, that was yeah. the vibe i got from them yeah or like kind of like a like if dr seuss designed like something like a creature for star wars yeah <laughs> uh yeah, I just that was like a like a really like impactful like moment for me with the game, like a surprise. I was like, oh, this weird like blood sea, <laughs> <laughs> bottom of the ocean world. Yeah, I also really like that dungeon because it incorporates like you go in and solve parts of it individually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they it unle- it uh, I don't know digs up. Yeah. I guess new parts of the dungeon to go to like it's just a very cool area conceptually uh and i like a lot of the things they did with it yeah yeah i think uh, there's a dungeon in a link between worlds i think it's like where the lost woods is in hyrule like in lower rule there's a dungeon there which requires you to like go up into the woods and then like down into like a dungeon area and then up into the woods and like you have to go like between two different like levels So I I think that kind of stuff is cool. Like having to move between the dungeon and the overworld, I think is, is really cool. Yeah. And it's also super good as like a, it's also super good. It's also Uh, super good. Super good. Uh, It's great as a, uh, like an early dungeon because it, it compacts. It means that there's less like to explore in the dungeon. 
but by framing it in such a cool ass way, you don't even think about the fact that you're essentially completing like miniature dungeons. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to a different dungeon, <laughs> the name of which I will totally remember at some point. It would and be nice parts of it. if the map yeah. said the names of the areas. Oh, it would be so great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and you find that you have to like keep going back from place to place and sort of a mirror of that, but not quite. It, it feels like it, it was sort of tutorializing that, but in an entirely invisible way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making you think of the game world in a different way. Yeah, and I don't know. It was just fun, and I like the red place with the big trees. <laughs> cool. Which is probably <laughs> supposed to be at the bottom of the ocean, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, do you have any thoughts on like the Nexus? The fact that you got like a little like ethereal hub zone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found. Uh, I have positive, negative. I think that it was a cool place. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like its design, and I like the fact that you could always go back to like the very beginning area with the road, mm-hmm. uh, if you wanted to. Like it was always just available, and everything felt interconnected. I do wish there was just like a label on anything. You have to base where you're going on like what the sprite is. Yeah. It, in one way, I find that sort of thing really satisfying. Like once you finally put forth the effort and you know where, what things are, you feel good about it. But yeah, like it's not worth that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, just labels would be would be nice. It would be helpful. Uh cuz yeah, like there are definitely several, especially like the difference between the main area and the dungeon mm-hmm. like the dungeon in the forest part is called the temple right but the portal that goes to the temple dungeon is just gray rocks like it doesn't feel like a temple to me it just right. feels like a cave yeah the cave and cave is another one but those are brown rocks of course so it's totally course. different uh yeah i i did wish it was easier to not just waste time but that's also just sort of the things that I think about all games. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I like it when, yeah, things can feel like more organic like that. Uh, mm. So that gets a thumbs up from me. Yeah, because like, as you said, like the world is actually all interconnected. Like you could move around it without warping if you wanted to. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's really cool. Now, I'm going to say probably on that. I, I'm just realizing that there might be places that you can't go back through, but maybe I'm wrong. I yeah. could just be wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't say that with 100% certainty, but it's at least mostly true. Yeah, I know one of the cards that I went to was in the mountain, and you had to go like, I didn't know how to get back out. Mm. And I just like <laughs> warped out. I said, fuck it, I'm done. Uh, but maybe there is a way and I just missed it, but yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so I guess I just, I wrote it down because I thought it might come up in conversation. So I'll just bring it up now as to not forget. <laughs> but if you didn't know, uh, anodyne means not likely to provide dissent or offense, inoffensive or, uh, deliberately, uh, inoffensive. It is also a pain-killing drug or medicine. (laughs) 
Uh, uh, I had no idea what anodyne meant, so if anybody yeah, listening no, me doesn't, uh, it means inoffensive or it uh, refers to painkilling medicine. Right. So and I think that is probably the one that it it means to evoke is the painkillers. The pain that's what I was just going to ask like what what do you think the cuz I think so here's my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Uh so now we're going to talk about the narrative and yes. there's nothing you can do about it. Haha. <laughs> uh, nana nana boo boo. Nana nana boo boo. I believe that the overall thrust of the game like in terms of it it's like message mm-hmm. is that young is too passive and needs to sort of like act both for himself and also in concert with other people, like reach out and become more of a, an active person. I could be wrong about this, but like, there's a very big, like your friend, like friends help you do it, Mm -hmm. whatever, uh, kind of a message through it throughout. And so that's sort of where I'm getting, I think they mean anodyne. Like he is anodyne. He is not, uh, like he is, he is a nothing. Like nobody would pay attention to him. He's not mm-hmm. offensive. He's not standing out in any way. Uh, that's what I thought because I also had to Google the definition <laughs> of anodyne. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think my interpretation is similar. Uh, it definitely feels like a self-reflective kind of dreamlike world. Um, that feels like it kind of represents like a kind of social anxiety maybe mm-hmm. um where i yeah it feels like he wants to kind of like hide away and like not interact with people because that's like the easier or safer thing to do so it could be right. kind of like he's like killing his pain like just like not, not interacting uh with people is probably was my interpretation it's so multi-layered actually <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, that's very possible. I think the game, to me at least, like, uh, not entirely dissimilar to, uh, Signalis is a game that, like, intentionally obscures its, like, very literal meaning behind a, uh, like, in this case it's a dream, in that game it was sort of, like, also a dream like, like a, a simulation <laughs> simulation uh to make to make you like have you give pause and like actually think about it yeah but because the game is so like anodyne is so uh personal i think like i feel like you have to be in a similar mental state to uh whoever the actual main character of the game is whether that be young or uh, Briar, right? Uh, like to to really like grasp exactly what what it is that it's trying to say. Like I found this more difficult to take a message out of than Signalis, and <laughs> Signalis is a game that is like inspired by art house films. <laughs> yeah, uh, it it felt a little bit clearer to me, but I mean, I might my interpretation might not be correct. Like the, uh, the scene at the end, like you, you fight Briar, who seems to be like one of your friends. And after mm-hmm. you beat him, he teaches you how to swim. And then you swim off into the sunset to go get a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So like that kind of, that kind of feels like, I don't know. Like I didn't want to read into it too deep. Like, I think like 
actually like like maybe like young is like introverted and that like kind of like depressive state like needs to like force himself to go out and spend time with his friend was right. kind of how i interpreted it uh, and it, that, that, that feels fair. pretty concrete to me but who knows yeah i had i had this stick up my ass about briar being the actual person dreaming and that young was mm. like a construct like yeah a, like his younger character. self or something yeah 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 because young isn't even like traditionally a first name really yeah it gave me like that's what i was thinking that's totally was, like, possible yeah yeah but i don't know i that very well could be me just trying to insert meaning where there isn't any uh <laughs> but yeah i mean that's why i wanted to talk about the stories because it's just like to me it feels so close to being understood by me yeah and yet just out of my grasp yeah like, i'm almost, not sure why yeah compare it more to something like uh like a short hike mm. but just much more abstract uh like a, like a character that feels like they need to like do some like introspective self-improvement uh by going off and like having this little adventure right which makes sense and also you do climb a mountain you do climb a mountain uh so, so they stole the idea are, are yeah. you yeah <laughs> ripping off anodyne since 20 whenever the short hike came out um <laughs> so do, are you aware of like the post game stuff you can do with the swap ability no Okay. <laughs> I know that you can use it to collect other cards, and my guess is that you can just move those rocks around. Yeah, like you. So it lets you move. It's, it's like swap any two tiles in the game. Uh, oh. And yeah, like literally, it like just busts the game wide open and lets you just go out of bounds into the void of the game. And in fact, encourages you to and requires you to to get the cards. <laughs> Um, and, uh, then there, once you get, uh, I think there's 48 of them and then, uh, there's a secret 49th one that you have to glitch the game to get. Uh, it's like off to like a platform off to the side of the gate and you have to like swap between the two screens, like on the border while pushing forward. And it like makes you inch forward and it's like this intentional glitch in the game that this like card was designed around for you to like use that ability to get to it to get the last one. Then there's a that gate opens and then there's a gate that requires 50 cards. Uh but there isn't a 50th card in the game. It's just uh, there to uh make you reflect on it being about the journey and not the destination, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the gate? Uh, it's like in some out of bounds area. Oh, it's like I around. think, yeah, okay. yeah. I so you have to use saw... the swap ability to get to it. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, that's very cool. That makes me think of like uh, Bob is you, like how you could you, there are levels like oh, hidden on the overworld and stuff. Yeah, a little bit. It definitely has that like cool indie game. Oh, you can actually uh find a portal that will warp you to the debug menu. And it, you can just, like, walk around it and, like, interact with it. They, they should have incorporated, not that necessarily, but some of the swap stuff, I think, into 
the part of the game that is required to see the credits. Yeah, I don't disagree. Like, it, the, the fact that they uh, just make you do that one little tile puzzle, like, mm-hmm. it does feel like there should have been, like, a whole dungeon that used this ability. Like, keep it, like, a more restricted use than just letting you break the whole game. But right. still, like, actually, like, <laughs> let you use it and then, like, maybe have some parts where you can go out of bounds and stuff. And like, then let it break the whole game after you've completed yeah. the game, which yes. is what it already does. So, yeah, yeah, like, let the dungeon where you use it, like, seed the idea that you can mm-hmm. use it to get out of bounds. And then once you beat it, you'll want to go explore. Yeah. Because, yeah, I did want to, to some extent, go test the SWAT power out. But then another part of me was like, well, I just saw the credits. Yep. And I'm not going to, like, go get all the cards. That's not what I'm here for. And I, I genuinely don't think I would have found it enjoyable to do. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that is, like, uh, to me, that's, like, a big... Because for some people, for the big Anodyne fans out there, yes. for the people who did write the, that wiki... The Fanodynes. For the Fanodynes out there, uh, they would... They probably... That's probably something they tell someone... To convince them to play the game. Yeah. They're like, and then at the end, there's like this secret power that lets you just like rip the whole world apart. And I would go, if I was the one being spoken to, I'd be like, that's fucking sick. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> uh, but then you just like in a normal playthrough would never do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has big like podcast syndrome for me. Where like, <laughs> I feel like if we weren't doing the podcast, I was just playing it for fun. I would totally do it. But I have the, that feeling of I have to move on to the next game. Right. That will prevent me from doing it. Uh, Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, Because I obviously have the same... I feel like I have the opposite experience sometimes, though. Like, when I play a game casually, unless it's RimWorld, yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a tendency to just sort of, like, go through it and be done. Yeah, uh, well... Yeah, like, this is, like, my kind of game, though. True, like, I would, yeah. I would want to keep playing this if there was, like, extra shit to do. But no, I'm the same way. Like most games, I probably I hit the credits and I'm like, yeah, those credits are a great motivator to not <laughs> do other stuff in a game. At yeah. least for me, at least these days, I don't know. Uh, let us know how you think about it in the comments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, is there anything uh, music? Uh, I think did a very good job of of emulating the era. Yeah. Uh, and it, it has that, like, surreal, like, moody, uh, atmosphere. Yeah, dreamy, like, atmospheric quality. Like, yeah, there are some, like, really great tracks in this, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that's, as always, all we have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I think you've made comments before about how, like, indie games can really impress with their music. Like, especially for a game that originally came out in 2013. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, mean, I assume, like, the music was remastered. But, like, uh, at least, yeah, in the remastered version, I think the, the music is very impressive for, for what the game is. Better yeah. than you would expect looking at it, I think. Uh, I I would say my one other thing is like, were there any, were there any parts of like dungeons, bosses, that kind of thing that you think stood out above the rest or at least like warrant mentioning? I will say that like on the topic of bosses, like I think we all, we both had the same experience with most of them. The final boss is such like a comical rise in complexity. Not that it's like 
absurdly hard. I think mm-hmm. it took me like three tries or something to beat. But like compared to hit a thing <laughs> to what you have to do to complete the final boss, which involves like reflecting attacks and like moving the dust so that it explodes in front of the, yeah. the cold one. Like it's such a huge step up compared to the rest of it uh, that I found it kind of funny. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, the same experience uh, for me. I was like, oh, man, I had to, like, actually dodge stuff. (laughs) That's not a thing I've had to do in combat, really. (laughs) Right. Uh, Before this. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, it was a big step up in complexity. But, like, I thought it was actually a pretty well-designed fight. Uh, It was, like, pretty satisfying to learn. Um, Yeah. Took me a few more tries. Took me, for some reason, like, moving the dust in front of the ice one took me a while oh, yeah. to figure I, out there uh, uh, the third iteration of that where there are multiple of the like no dust here zones on the map i literally never figured out how to do uh, i yeah. just let <laughs> i put you put the dust like right in between them and then uh, it'll hit it and it'll the explosion's big enough i did it by accident once that's how i figured okay. it out yeah <laughs> So I was like, yeah, I think mine happened on accident as well. Like, I was just like, I don't know what to do. Just like mashing the button to put it there and and ended up getting it, Uh, which I don't know. That could be maybe one negative thing (laughs) to say about it. But I agree. I thought it was a fun boss. Uh, Most of the other bosses, while cool, I think mostly is because of their designs and not necessarily because of the fights themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it, it was a step up in that way too yeah i don't think any of the other bosses really stood out to me at all um but i i will say i liked the hotel dungeon probably was my favorite uh i like the elevator like as a central mechanic uh i think that's really cool and then like certain floors you had to like move up and down between with the stairs like it had more of that kind of like you had to think about the whole layout of the dungeon sort of thing going on so that that was the highlight for me I would agree, except I think I like the apartment a little bit better. Mm. <laughs> that would be... I, I, I do really like the, the hotel as well. I would put it on par with, like, most of the earlier dungeons, which I think are really, like, very good. Yeah. Uh, the, for me, the two standouts, though, are, uh, I think, the apartment with the, like, the switch puzzles and having to navigate the silverfish around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was just fun and like a difference in kind. And then the circus one, which his is, it just, is like a different game <laughs> for a while. Like it's so much harder. Like yeah. there's a lot more going on. All of the mechanics are being implemented at once and including new stuff that you don't really see anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are my standouts. And I, I don't even know how I feel about the circus one. Like, I think it is. I didn't cool. really like it that much. Yeah, but it ended up being so hectic that it didn't feel like I ever really had a grasp on it. Yeah. Do we have silverfish thoughts? Uh, my silverfish thoughts are, uh, I'm glad to have finally played this. Uh, it's been on my radar for, like, fucking ever. Uh, <laughs> and I uh, was correct in my suspicions that I would enjoy it. Uh, but I'll be in like different ways than I expected. Uh, I, I, I think this game is really great tonally and atmospherically. Um, 
we did compare it to like Earthbound. I do think it kind of fits into that lineage of indie games that are inspired by Earthbound. Uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun to play. Like, I think it has like that, um, focus on exploration that like you always want out of like a Zelda inspired game. Uh, and yeah, it doesn't feel too derivative. Like it kind of does its own thing. Uh, I like that they have like the world is like interconnected. Um, and that like, yeah, it, it doesn't, uh, I have all those like Zelda power ups like we were talking about. It kind of has like a simple core uh, mm-hmm. that's strong that it kind of like builds this uh, like exploration and discovery kind of base game around. And I think it like it just excels really well, um, like for an indie game, especially like one that started as a student project by two people. Like I think it just turned out like incredibly well uh, mm-hmm. and was like very successful and interesting. So like it's one of those kind of indie games that. I find inspiring and makes me want to make a game. Uh, so yeah, super up my alley and didn't disappoint. I had a, a really good time with it. Yeah. Uh, this game is like, is one of my favorite kinds of game, which is the indie game with a concept that is off the beaten path. In this case, like what if you did Zelda, but it took place in a dream uh, which isn't, as it turns out, there was a path there, but it was only beaten one time. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's one that understands its scope and scale a lot. Uh, this game is almost perfectly uh, tuned around like its project size, where it is uh, like six, I think six to seven hours, six and a half, somewhere in that vicinity to complete. Uh, it feels like you have a full game on your plate when you're playing it uh it it feels good to go through it it creeps its complexity only very slightly over what it is capable of delivering on and in some ways it does it intentionally in sort of like a like a fun joking way so i don't know it's it's weird to ascribe a specific personality to a game but like it does feel like this is a game that is just here to have like a fun time with you. Uh, and even like in the more, it's more serious or it's darker moments. Like there is a, a core of playfulness to this uh, that makes it just a really fun time all the way through. So uh, I also really like it. It is not specifically up my alley uh, in terms of its genre and whatever, but uh, 100%, I think that even if you are, not in the target audience i think you would still enjoy this so full full on good game i always keep wanting to throw like a rating or something (laughs) in even though it doesn't make any sense yeah i don't know exactly when it started happening but you've been like recommending games yeah (laughs) i'm like i'll give this one a recommend i'm gonna give this a fun time out of 73 uh Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Rollerdrome, a uh, fucking rollerblading shoot 'em up game uh, that I haven't actually, I've been wanting to play since the very second I heard about it, uh, but have not yet. So I'm very excited to see what it's all about. Uh, same Z's. <laughs> <laughs> have n- nothing more to add. I know even less about it than that. 
Yeah. Uh, but until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter account, our email address, uh, the YouTube channel, and you can listen to any of our old episodes, including ones that we've done on uh, Link's Awakening. <laughs> uh, would be one to go for. Every mm-hmm. other Zelda game ever made. Yep, or uh, if you're listening to this in the future, we're doing an episode on Tunic coming <laughs> That's up. true, which should be similar to this. Uh, uh, we have a lot on Undertale and Deltarune. Earthbound. Which, one more time, we should get to that uh, Deltarune episode, too, at some point. (laughs) Fortunately, they have not released any more of it, so we're not, like, a a (laughs) game behind at this point, but we'll get there. Uh Uh-huh. Keep your eyes out for that. Uh, And sweep that like button. Swap. No. <laughs> I can't figure that one out. <laughs> Sl- swap a negative comment for a positive comment in the comments. In the comments section. section. Uh, and climb to the top of the windmill to ring that bell. Like Quasimodo. Yes. Except it was just a bell tower. It wasn't a windmill. But you know It was in fact Notre Dame Cathedral. <laughs> The most famous uh, windmill ever built. <laughs> <laughs> so famous they even took it out of service as a windmill. Not a lot of people know that. Was a windmill at one point. Uh knowing that Pokemon which Pokemon is green and counting to six <laughs> things that Chad knows how to do. These are my greatest skills. <laughs>